Welcome to New Amsterdam Radio. Hello, everyone. It's Flobo Voice here, and this is the podcast for creatives. New Amsterdam is a city for creatives, and I guess by default, I am the mayor. How is everyone doing? It's it's the spooky season. You know, it's 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 Halloween season. By the time this airs, this will be right before the holiday itself. I'm not sure if you're out there uh, trick-or-treating or socially distancing trick-or-treating or just buying the bags of candy for yourself and eating them on the corner. Uh, that's what I recommend. That's the safest way to do it. A lot of things going on uh, in my world before we get to our fantastic interview with comedian, uh, actor, and podcaster Adam Carr. Just first things first. So... This is episode 76, and if you guys have been with the new Amsterdam radio movement from the beginning, because arbitrarily 25 is my favorite number, I made sure that every season of new Amsterdam radio has 25 episodes. So technically, episode 76 is the season premiere of season four of this podcast, which is something I did not think uh, would happen. You know, I was a guy that kind of did this on my phone using the Anchor app. I'm an Anchor advocate uh, for it. Not officially, they don't pay me, but you know what I'm saying. Well, they do kind of pay me. But anyway, what I'm saying is, is that I was sitting in my car and almost uh, sheepishly talking to my phone because I thought no one would even listen. No one would care about this, I thought, dry idea of talking to other creatives or just interpreting what was happening in the world and adapting that for creatives because I didn't have guests at first and uh, it's totally grown and blossomed and those who liked and commented and shared and followed and checked it out you know look my ratings are not going to compete with a Joe Rogan experience but I'm proud because I was able to build it one of my favorite lines from hip-hop is from Eric Sermon who said um, it may not be nothing but I wrote this here you know? Also, uh, on my end of things, I relaunched NewAmsterdam.com. For a while, NewAmsterdam.com just kind of forwarded over to the Spotify list of this show and its episodes. But I decided to put all my digital efforts under the New Amsterdam Entertainment umbrella. So big, big news. I was able to really establish the business officially uh, over here in Los Angeles and to show everyone at a glance all the shows that I'm hosting or producing over at newamsterdam.com. That's K-N-E-W-Amsterdam.com. So check it out when you have a chance. Maybe if you have a second screen, you know, play the podcast on one, open a new tab, check out newamsterdam.com. But before uh, I drown you out with all of my promotions just real quick support the show especially now we're into the holiday season if you can spare a uh, a dime a moment of your time at patreon.com slash you get to unlock uh, full interviews and bonus content for all of my digital efforts and you can buy a t-shirt over at flobito.threadless.com it makes a great gift uh, support the arts now it's time for my talk with Adam Carr because Adam Carr is a guy that I worked with a bunch of times. We were on the after show for the first season of the Netflix show, The Politician, over at AfterBuzz TV Networks. And uh, we became really good friends. It's cool to see him working on things. I was a guest on his podcast, uh, Hollow- ha- Horribly Hollywood Single. Uh, I always get that name confused because <laughs> I'm like, oh, there's so many H's there. Uh, and uh, we are also comedians. So we had a chance to, to connect on that. Uh, really fun guy you should really follow him uh, after the show 
but enough of me rambling because I rambled so long on the season premiere episode. Let's get right to it. It's Adam Carr on New Amsterdam Radio. We are not live from the mayor's office of the city of New Amsterdam. Hello, everyone. I am being joined by a man who is so funny. His handle literally says funny guy. I listen to his comedy specials. I stare at his hands because he's a hand model. And not only that, he has one of the fantastic podcasts of all time and horribly Hollywood single. Give it up for the man himself, Adam Carr. How you doing, man? Thank you. I, that's uh, that's an introduction I could never possibly live up to. Uh, <laughs> I uh, cycle through though. Yeah, very true. It's, you're very kind. I, I always did the opposite. It's like bringing a lady to bed. You know, I just want to go. Right. Hey, maybe it'll last more than five minutes. Maybe it'll be great for you. Maybe it'll do things. I'm not sure, but you yeah. really set the bar. So I'm like, oh, I'm so sorry. Oh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> I told you it happens all the time. I, I'm so sorry. I'm out of questions. I'm out of questions. I Good told everybody. you. I told you that. So 2020 has come and basically torpedoed everything. Uh, first question, yeah. though. I uh, was a guest on your show, Hollywood, Horribly Hollywood Single, which is really fun to say super fast. Oh, thank you. Uh, and I was nervous because your show. You're great. Well, thank, well, thank, appreciate that. But I was nervous because I felt like I wasn't living life. I felt like I was not like my counterpart in the 20s and 30s because your shows goes pretty deep sometimes. Now, the question I have for you as a host is how do you make people feel at home when they're talking about their uh, sex life, their dating life, their Hollywood life on a show like that? Great question. I think it's more or less like uh, I'm no longer on the prowl. I'm happily engaged and uh, getting married next year. But um, Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. I found someone who could stand me. Um, I think the... Uh, she's Wait, is this charity work for you then? You do the podcast how about other people who are single? <laughs> exactly. Um, no, uh, I think what it is uh, a little bit, it's almost like um, the initial stages of dating a little bit where each guest, when I talk to them, I feel like I need to make them feel comfortable. I need to make them feel like they want to talk to me. And uh, it's a little bit like dating, where you're kind of like, hey, we're about to have this thing. I'm going to make you feel safe so that you want to talk to me and maybe share some stuff. Uh, but also, too, it's not um, – usually people want to share it in the end. I, I've had some friends who say, I love the idea of the show. I'm never going to come on there because I still want my wife or husband to talk to me at the end of the day. And <laughs> I don't want to talk about some coke – in you know fueled threesome that i had in my 20s that i've never shared you know a lot of people have stuff that they've never even shared with their partners let alone yeah. you know they don't want to necessarily just share it with other people uh so to me it, i think it's just about making people feel comfortable and and just kind of saying you know hopefully you think i'm not a douchebag and you want to spend some time with me and if you do you want to share some stuff because my thing at the end of the day is i'm the most messed up one out of anybody i you know i'm Go on I'm, I'm not. <laughs> I'm not here to uh, cast a stone and say, "Wow, you're really messed up." Usually, I'm yeah. like, oh, "Wow, you know, I, I, I understand." I, uh, you know, loneliness fueled a lot of my uh, horribly Hollywood days. So, uh, to me, it's just about, about making people feel comfortable, and uh, hopefully, as you know, I was very lucky to find guests like you who were just very yeah. charming and and wonderful to come on, and I uh, just had a great vibe. So, to me, it's just it's also too just about who you talk to and. Who you're bringing on? You have a pretty good idea. Sometimes, you know, yeah. maybe one or two people they said they wanted to talk about stuff, and then they 
they kind of don't. And I can tell like they they want to move away from the topics or you have other people who say, I don't really think I have any stories, but I'll come on. And then they come on and then they just unleash and they tell, yeah. they were like, Oh wow. I did not know that. Definitely that in that camp. Yeah. <laughs> At the end of the day, we all have stuff that we've done in our past that we're like, Oh, you know, I, I think we've all had one of those moments where we wake up the next morning, there's a couple of Taco Bell bags on the floor and we go, I drove last night. Like I think yeah, we've yeah. one of those moments. So that's, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. I did touch up on this before, but but you are a comedian, the funny guy, 85. Uh, nice. I actually watched and listened, so I did it twice, to your comedy special at the Sycamore, which is a cool venue. Uh, talk to me about that, because I've done comedy specials before, but yours looked super legit. You had like a little black and white intro. It was like, Bill Burr, just kidding, Adam Carr. And you had your, your material. Like, Walk me through that for people who may be doing comedy that worked their way up to a special, if you will. That's very kind. Uh, I, you know, I look to the movie Rocky, uh, in particular, uh, Apollo Creed, Carl Weathers. Um, instead of being in the gym and training like he should have been for uh, the whole fight leading up, right? What's he doing? Apollo Creed, he's sending flowers to the mayor's wife. He's worried about PR events. The lesson I always took from Rocky was stick to exactly what you know. And if you don't know something else, that's okay but find someone else who knows exactly what the hell they're doing so that you're not trying to do five things at once. Uh, and so for me, that person, that go-to guru who is a master DP, who is a master director, who is a master editor, uh, that person for me is Craig Tovey. He is my silver bullet. Uh, Craig Tovey is a, uh, you've probably seen him on Omaze commercials, like ra raffling off cars. Uh, he has a show online with uh, Ryan Lagod. They co-host called Storytime, where they read kids' books. Uh, but Craig, uh, I worked on a show, The Call Room, uh, which was a, a online series that we got funded on Kickstarter for 25k uh, a few years back. And uh, I just basically told Craig, I'm like, hey, I got to go up at Sycamore Tavern. Uh, I have 15 minutes. I got a lot of people coming out. Um, could you help me shoot something? And so what you're seeing all right there, that was all done within an hour with Craig. We went outside, we got the exteriors, we went inside, he shot my intro. Um, he knows exactly how to shoot something, make it look beautiful, make it sound great, and then literally cut it all together over the next week and handed it to me. It was just yeah. one of the nicest, like, so I would say if you're looking, you know, for someone, I don't know if he regularly does it, he kind of, he'll, he'll put up with me and he'll do that and just be like, hey, like you're, you know, you're doing yeah. great. Everyone else, I think he's like, yeah, screw off. I, I, I want my weekends to myself, but, uh, I appreciate that, but that honestly is all uh, Craig Toby. Because as I've learned in the end, you could have amazing jokes, you could have an amazing set, everything could be just solid and tight. But um, if it looks like crap, and if it sounds like crap, and if it's not something that you can really get out there to the masses, then it doesn't matter. Like it, if it's crap, no one can hear it or see it. Yeah. It doesn't matter how funny you are. So it also has to be great. So uh, I appreciate that, but that's all the genius of Craig Toby. So you didn't learn how to give flowers to mayor's wives. I was just so confused with that story. I was like, oh man, maybe I want to sweet talk to wives of politicians. In the past, I've been with too many mayor's wives. I had to stay. <laughs> Living in America. Oh, so good. <laughs> yeah, that was Paul, uh, Rocky IV. Well, no, we we got to watch Rocky over Thanksgiving. I haven't finished. I haven't seen uh, Creed two. Creed? Do you do you count Creed series as as this attenuation, or is that a separate thing? Like I count it as a continuation of the uh, Rocky canon, specifically because they went to Sylvester Stallone for it, and then he really, I think it because he was so a part of it, um, and they set it up now. I mean, Michael B. Jordan, I think, is the perfect 
vessel to continue that. Um, so I, I can I can t uh, consider it a part of the canon, just like Rocky Five is, even though you wish it wasn't, but it still is. You know? Yeah, yeah. I like it, Rocky Six. I call it Six. I don't care. <laughs> it's my favorite one. <laughs> Rocky Balboa. Rocky Balboa. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It it, it's not until now where you're just like, oh wow, like he's you know he's like 55, 58, 60. Stallone's in his 60s. He was in his. He's like 70 something now. He's like 71, 72. That is intense. I know most of it's steroids, but that's still intense. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh, it's definitely I, yes. I, yeah. I, I taught in uh, Australia. When was this? This was like right after the Expendables or something. The first one came out and they were like, Sylvester Sloan was detained in Australia at the airport. Like they don't know why he was detained. And then there was like a little side rub that was like, the only way you can be detained at the airport is for drugs or steroids or like. <laughs> okay, you know, he has like a lab of like a HGH. What's yeah. wrong with that? <laughs> it's getting all the way. And then like, really? I just want to go home and get big, you know, swole. Your favorite uh, a sly movie? Favorite sly movie? Yeah. Seventy four, by the way. I looked it up. Oh, 74. Wow. Yeah. We should all be so lucky. Jesus. <sighs> the steroids. Forty years older than me to kick my ass. Um, I'm gonna have to go with. I think Rocky Two will always okay. be my favorite one. What about you? I don't know, man. That's the thing. Sylvester Stallone is one of those guys where. I like more, and I'll defend him more when we have those like Arnold type things. But it's not one that mm -hmm. sticks out. I guess Rocky Six is the only I can think of. It'd be like, oh, that was sick. But like, I mean, he was Rambo, man. I mean, he was an Expendables dude. Like, you know, he I wears a suit really nice. <laughs> hey, what can he do? Yeah, <laughs> I, I think um, <clears throat> he just hooked in with Rocky. Rocky Balboa is, I think, the character that he wished he could have been in real life. I, mm -hmm. I you know, like he wasn't necessarily a great. Has been, uh, you know, seems like he was a great father, but it seems like, you know, he had trouble uh, with fidelity, all that stuff, like little things here or there, whatever character flaws. I feel like he always knew how to lock in to Rocky Balboa. And yeah, well, just, he could always play that no matter what. And I think that actually that role transformed his acting and did a lot more, um, you know, someone like Arnold Schwarzenegger, you wouldn't care if they could act. It was never about acting in the Terminator franchises or anything like that. Right, Stallone really showed up to play. He's definitely he's really, and there's a difference between the first Rocky and, you know, Creed. Uh, you mentioned real quick the call room, which I actually saw a couple of clips for. Uh, have a very kind of cool, quirky style in the postmodern comedy space. I mean, how is that transitioning your work from the stage to a show like that? Uh, to me, it was just kind of necessity. Stage work. Uh, you know, I went to UCLA. I studied acting. Um, I was working on some stuff. One of my um, dear friends from UCLA, her name is Beth Bears, uh, who's on uh, Two Broke Girls and now um, The Neighborhood. Uh, and uh, we had shot a couple of sketches and shorts that they watched at CBS and then subsequently cast her uh, in the show. So I kept moving forward with kind of like, you know, writing and producing and making my own stuff. Um, and I had an idea for an office comedy. I had worked, I've worked for 14 years for a beautiful nonprofit theater called the Geffen Playhouse uh, in Westbury, which is very much moving forward uh, now amidst everything in the pandemic. Uh, we've started what we call the Geffen Stayhouse uh, virtual theater, which is done via Zoom. So you can log to your laptop, uh, see a show. It's really cool what we're doing now. Uh, we have magic shows. We have a puzzle show. We have a new murder mystery uh, detective show, Citizen Detective coming out. Um, 
But uh, I had met Craig through UCB, Craig Toby, who I talked about earlier, and we kind of had this idea uh, based on my time working. Uh, we did in-house telemarketing at the Geffen for a little bit. And there was a, a girl that I really fell hard for and fast uh, who ended up being like a sex act and was seeing me and the other guy that I was working with in this office room at the same time. So it was like yeah. close quarters, overly dramatic. Uh, I was just a drunken mess. Uh, I was all over the place. And we uh, we wrote um, eight episodes. We shot seven uh did Kickstarter, raised the 25K, then raised another 10 in post. Uh, but it was one of the coolest experiences that I've ever had, where I feel like uh, Craig and I both sharpened our teeth on indie filmmaking and just kind of that, uh, just being that Swiss army knife where you have to do six different things at once and kind of handle them all uh, pretty quick. Um, and it was just a, it was a tremendous experience. It was a, it was a lot of work. It was a lot of, um, at the time, you know, you just want, you want to get something put up on the air. You want it to get picked up by somebody else and kind of be legitimized that way. And I think what I didn't realize is just how much, much fun we had, the skills that we acquired um, working on everything. But it was, it was a very cool feeling just to say, like, we accomplished this. We did our season one. Um, and, you know, I, it's a group of people that I would just work with again and again. Those actors, Alexa Rose, uh, Jonathan Schwartz, Nathaniel Meek, Sean Harrison-Jones, um, Ryan Lagod was in it, uh, who's also one of our writers. Uh, it was just really, um, really fantastic work that everybody did. Yeah, just as a quick pro tip uh, for someone who wants to, to learn how to do Kickstarter, make it work for them, like how'd you be able to leverage your network to pitch in an idea? Like, what do you have to do uh, if someone's like, oh man, I will have this crazy idea, but Kickstarter isn't working out for me? Like, what would you tell them? Um, you really got to network out there like you've never networked before. That means every platform possible. Uh, Sell yourselves out. <laughs> that also means, uh, you know, LinkedIn, things that you never thought you'd do. MySpace, whatever. Uh, you talk to every person possible. Also, if you can, you need to stack the deck so that you have some big donors in there who can help uh, give you a boost. Because at the end of the day, um, yeah, it's, it's also, I think, uh, individual messaging really works. You have to talk to each person. And that means if you have 10,000 people in your friends list or whoever you're talking to, uh, that means 10,000 individual messages. That means you get out as much uh, as you have to and you talk to every person. Um, I also found too that, you know, people worry about uh, the perks or whatever they should do, like for Kickstarter or Indiegogo. People want stuff that is uh, attached to your show. They want stuff that is tangible they don't really care about i i think at the time i was trying to raffle off like you know go to a taping of two broke girls or do this and this and if things aren't connected to your project and what you're doing yeah you don't care you know it's just like everything else like if you were you know online if you were uh entering in for a green lantern sweepstakes and they were like enter this and we'll send you a superman t-shirt you'd be like why would you send me superman <laughs> you're for green lantern so yeah it's just one of those things you you want everything to connect um, but you also, you have to be an army. You have to be a pleasant stalker. You have to just kind of like, hey, what's up? Like, I know we talked last week. Maybe, you know, maybe have some time. And people can say, uh, am I allowed to swear? Yeah. Cool. People can say like, fuck off a million times. But you just have to kind of show up. And I just, sorry, my uh, my fiance, she has a six-year-old niece and a uh, one and a half year old little guy. So I always just forget sometimes. I'm like, ah, and then I start swearing. And she's like, there's kids here. I'm like, all right. There. Well, they'll learn someday. Either here or public school. Like, they have to learn. They have yeah. to learn. 
So I mean, you mentioned uh, your fiance, but you're getting married. I, I can't believe it. Not, not to say you can't find happiness. It's just, it's always a milestone that like having kids, it's a miracle. Many people do it, but when it happens, it's like, oh my goodness. Uh, what's that looking like for you? I know the, the the whole venue game and the guest limits in certain venues in, in LA and LA County has been kind of in flux with the COVID-19 pandemic, but day to day, how does that feel playing a wedding? You know, this is such an important answer. I put on my altered conditioning Burt's Bees for this. So uh, let me- selling out on my show too? What do you think? (laughs) (laughs) That's why I drink Waterloo. Uh, So anyway, um, I think so. So um, I proposed to her in Maui. um, Where uh, it's this place called Haiku Mill, where she wanted to, it's like a wedding venue that's like the Instagram famous and- I think some survivor people and, you know, real housewives, like people have had parties there or whatever. So um, I knew that I was going to propose to her there. And then I kind of worked it out ahead of time. I called her mom. I'm just kind of setting up the whole story here. So I, uh, where I was like, hey, you know, I, I love your daughter. Um, I want to I marry her. I want to spend the rest of my life with her. She's my favorite person. And she was like, oh, great. And, you know, we love you. And I was like, awesome. So am I paying for this wedding or are you? Because it's okay wow. if I but there are going to be some different choices. Uh, but I just want to know. And they were like, oh. So romantic. I know, very romantic, right? But she goes, oh, we're, we're paying for our daughter's wedding. I was like, cool, here's option A. Uh, and just FYI, I have not researched any other place. I'm like, but she really, uh, she wants to get married here. And so at first they're like, no way. And then they go, ah, let's think about it. And then they go, all right, you know what? Screw it. Fuck it. Inflation. Let's go. Yeah, so, um, that's cool. Real cool. I decided I was going to propose to her there in the in the ruse of um, that uh, we couldn't get married there, but we were going to at least take a tour and, you know, check it out. And, uh, you know, the whole time we're getting ready, we, were, we spent the week in Maui. And I remember I had like all these different Hawaiian shirts. And she pointed to one and she's like, you have these ridiculous Hawaiian shirts, but if you're going to ask me any questions, you know, pick this one. So I'm like, okay, well, clearly I can't wear that shirt. So I picked my, one of my favorite ones, which she thought was rather loud. Oh, and so she, uh, she saw it coming then. She thought this proposal was coming. She thought that she knew it was coming sometime around. She didn't know when or necessarily where, which I pride myself on because I really, I was very elusive for someone who wears their heart on their sleeves most of the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, so um, we took the tour and she started getting kind of teary eyed because she was like, you know, we're not, I can't get married here. And I was like, yeah, you know, I mean, we're living in reality. I don't know what she, I'm sorry. You know, can we just, <laughs> what a jerk. <laughs> uh, I was just <laughs> it so that she would have no idea. And then she's walking around and she was taking videos. And when she turned back around, she, I was there with the ring and, you know, I said some things and uh, I meant them. And then, uh, she said yes, and then I said, "By the way, um, we're gonna, we can get married here if you want." And she was like, "What?" You know. And uh, one of the women brought out like this calendar that had marked specifically the date, and um, so we uh, we decided we were gonna come back there. We were supposed to get married originally next month, this November, and then we had pushed it to April, just like when we got back. So we're like, let's just have more than a year. Let's like relax. And then, of course, this year started happening, uh, and it's a destination wedding. So we, you know, it's not—it's not like what an Airbnb or 
come out to Malibu. We'll just have our parents there. Like we legitimately want to be able to party with our friends. So we just literally the other day, we've been going over this for like two months back and forth. Just pushed it to next November of 2021, November 6th, which then coincidentally will be two years to the date that we got engaged there. So, um, uh, it's, uh, it's definitely, you know, it's different logistics. You're also finding out, um, who feels comfortable doing what, uh, I will say this, my brother just got married in Colorado, uh, and he and his wife are nurses. Uh, and so they're very smart about stuff, but it was also, you know, at one point there were probably 20 people in a backyard for a barbecue, you know, and everybody was outside, people wore masks, people distanced, you know, enough for each other to say hi. If you wanted to go up and hug someone and they were okay with it, you know, you came up, you did that. Most people just did like the elbow thing. Everybody I don't get that. I'd rather not do that. I'm, yeah, I'm sorry to cut you off your story, but like the elbow thing is so dumb. It's like, I feel like I'm in some kind of post-apocalyptic wasteland. I went through a wormhole and everyone was touching their elbows. I'd rather just nod and be it's like, a very, okay. It feels like a very affluent, like rich old white dude. Like, yeah. oh, <laughs> like it just feels very much <laughs> like you, I don't want to touch you, but like you can have the elbow part. Like it's, it definitely, I know what you mean. It definitely feels, um, there's something, yeah, about it. But uh, it, it's, uh, you know, speaking of Sylvester Stallone, was it Demolition Man yeah. with um, the This Wave? You yeah, yeah, that? yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was actually a classic one, man. Actually, it was a classic. And I remember thinking at the time, I'm like, who the hell waves like that? And I was like, oh, there must have been a plague because they got used to not touching but having the motion. Did you ever, I, I thought that maybe Oh, that was, and that's why sex was the, th- oh. That's why yeah. I thought because they knew that too many diseases, viruses, so they got used to not touching, but still cohabiting. That makes Taco Bell even more unsettling in that movie. <laughs> it somehow survived the point. <laughs> you got, uh, yeah. uh, who's the little guy? Um, uh, he's in all the Adam Sandler movies. Um, He's gosh, it's gonna come to you. <laughs> Using grown ups with David Spade. I'm thinking of literally Kevin James. Who's that last guy? Rob, Rob, uh, Schneider? yeah, Rob Schneider. He's a little guy. I was thinking the kid, <laughs> Rob Schneider, who Rob was Schneider. in, in yeah, Rob, yeah, Rob Schneider's in television, man. And then he was also in Judge Dredd with Sylvester Stallone. Have you ever made that connection? Rob Schneider was in some early, uh, or some 90s mm-hmm. slot. Yeah, so, I am the law. <laughs> I am the law. I am. That's it. That's it. I am so um yeah, so I think it's about um uh being smart, but also just still wanting to celebrate. And I think we wanted to push, I'm hoping, we'll see what happens. But if we have a <clears throat> more normal uh president in the White House, we might in the next six to seven months actually, you know. Get, get a clamp on this thing uh, pretty well. I just feel like if, uh, if if we can be smart, then we can get back to, sooner to doing the things that we want to do. Um, so yeah, it's it's an outside destination wedding. It's in Maui. Um, I I, I want to bring her the magic, whatever you know she deserves it. I want to give her that special day. So yeah. we push it back. Hopefully it all works out. If not, you know, figure it out. Twenty twenty stuff. You're rolling with it, but. Uh, yeah. No, it's, um, I think it's, yeah, it's, it's been a lot, but it's, you know, it's all stuff that this is what you sign up for. This is, uh, this is everything already. You know, we, we haven't said the vows yet, but I feel like you've already lived through so much when you've just gone through six months of this with someone. It's just something different. You weren't oh, counting. 
It's a post-apocalyptic love story. Uh, just shifting yeah. gears here a bit. I want to talk about the time that we met. Uh, we were on After Buzz as hosts on a television show or an after show for a television show. Well, really, what is TV? Because it was a Netflix show. Whatever. Uh, <laughs> call the politician. And uh, I was told, look, man, we have uh, you're having a guest host, and he's a hand model. And I go, the hand models don't exist. They're probably CGI'd. Uh, you, and then comes Adam Carr, which I don't know. I thought a hand model would be like six foot tall in German with wispy blonde hair, but you were obviously not that. George, George Costanza was not. Remember, it's not about the rest of me, Flobo. It's just yeah. about- <laughs> It's a stereotype. It's a, it's a bad stereotype. <laughs> but I was enamored, man. Like the dedication you have to a craft and my, my, my nail game is weak, I'll tell you that. Uh, a hand model. Tell me how that even started and how that became like your calling card that so much that it became a, a thing that people say when you're not even in the room. <laughs> you know, a hand model's on its way. I'm on. I'm on. <laughs> uh, you know, there's one thing that I always go in for with uh, uh, breakdowns and auditions, and that's typically the average man. I like, I have the average white guy cornered. I just have one of those, you know, a, a white guy working in a 90s office. Somehow I do it. Um, but, uh, I, I did a bit, it was like a regular day businessman type shoot where I had like a stoop and they wanted me just like in an office. It was just like for stock photos for something. And at one point I had to hold up, I'll pretend this fan is like a clock, but I had to hold up a clock like this in front of my face. Yeah. And then the guy was scrolling through the photos and we were going through stuff. And at first I just thought he was either joking or being weird, but he's like, oh, wow, you have Yep, you have really nice hands. And I was like, oh, thanks. Like, like, we're alone right now. Why are you telling me this? Uh, But he was like, no, really, like, have you ever considered hand modeling? And I'm like, like George Costanza? And he's like, yeah, like George Costanza. And I'm like, is that, is that real? Is that, I, is that like a real thing? And he's like, yeah, it's a very real thing. And I'm like, oh, I had no idea. So I'm with CESD. Uh, I had been with them commercially and then I reached out to their print department and I was like, hey, you know, this photographer guy said I have really good hands. Uh, I look <laughs> into hand modeling. And they were like, okay, yeah, well, um, Everyone says that. we have a photographer. Uh, why don't you go take some shots with her? And then uh, you can come bring him in whenever you want. All right. And I was like, yeah, okay. So, so arrogant at this hand model. <laughs> it was very arrogant. It was very much like, we don't think you have that stuff. Like, we've seen the best. So, um, we take a, I take a bunch of photos with this photographer and we come in and we have these, you know, giant photos that are passing back and forth. And they're like, yeah. Oh, okay. So we can get you out today. We can, there, there are some roles. Yeah. We have some stuff and uh, you know, you, you get out as much as you can. They also rep the same guys who are top line at, you know, Apple and different stuff. These big ones who are making six figures, by literally not doing anything, but just holding up their hands. So you go in for the, you know, I think Pizza Hut, GE, McDonald's, uh, the smoothies. Uh, I did that for a while. I have great, just, you know, they, they're very like feminine, smaller, like pretty hair. They are pretty majestic, yes. They, they are quite wonderful. So, uh, you know, <laughs> it is what it is. Uh, it's been wonderful. I got into it. Uh, I will say that the work's been a little, uh, absent as of late and i don't think we're anyone's going out as much as they used to but um yeah it's definitely one of those things i i did not expect it but i uh, graciously welcomed it 
How does that change your life, though? Do you wear mittens at the beach? You can't lift weights because of calluses. I mean, I'm just thinking about two things off the top of my head. But- Honestly, your skin is pretty resilient. Uh, just be smart. Uh, wear, you know, wear gloves when you lift. Um, I, I use a lot of, uh, I, I talked about another product placement, Burt's Bees. Well, Burt's Bees has a tremendous hand lotion. Mm. Uh, lavender and I forget whatever the hell else it is, but it's some of the best hand lotion. But that and oh, Lavender Man, I like that. Oh, Lavender Man, yeah. I, I like to keep it calm. And then um, that and, you know, just regular uh, ma- uh, manicures. I think I talk about it. I don't think I did in my, that special you saw, but I used to get manicures all the time at Princess Nails in Encino. I was literally like, I was their guy. Like I'd walk in, all the women would freak out. Mama Kim, who ran the store with her, you know, group of women as you go, oh, VIP, VIP there. Welcome back, baby. We remember you, lucky hands. Like it was very, uh, they were always just very sweet to me. So it was, but it was wonderful. It was, you know, ring, princess, man, may help you. Oh, VIP. Like it was just. Wow, VIP access, man. Usually I say I had, I'll say three or four manicures in my life. But I, I was so afraid to do it. I would go, this is a, this would be a place in Brooklyn that would have mm-hmm. men a cure days for guys only. Like girls weren't allowed. And the sports, the games would be on and a bunch of guys oh, would be like, nice. my baby, I'm crazy, y'all. And I felt comfortable doing that. But to walk into a regular nail shop, just, hello? I don't know, man. That's, oh, yeah. I would lose fear factor doing that. <laughs> I'll eat bugs all day. But to go into a nail shop. very vulnerable type place. You're sitting up like in the chair. Your legs are up. You're kind of like, what's going on? And, yeah. you know, it's, uh, it's, it's jarring. It's jarring, to say the least. Man, you've lived a billion and one lifetimes. So before the show started, uh, we were talking about plans for Hollywood, Hollywood single, bringing it back full circle. Because I love the fact yeah. that you have a niche, you, you're working and you double down. What does 2021 look like for that brand? I think for that brand, it's going to be a lot of videos. We're uh, transitioning away from the podcast, which I really loved, but um, more going to uh, seven to eight minute videos. Um, kind of like... Buzzfeed videos about certain topics, but those topics will all be under the umbrella now of Horribly Hollywood Single. Um, working with a couple different co-hosts, talking to people such as yourself, um, but having like a lot of panels on stuff, uh, relationships, dating stuff. Um, but I think transitioning from a podcast model to something that's uh, strictly more just uh, shorter content, online videos, stuff that can be shared. Um, just kind of moving to that next thing. Uh, and I, you know, talking with like people like Kevin at AfterBuzz who were so sweet because I kind of, I made the show, you know, originally kind of created stuff around in that whole AfterBuzz TV environment. So uh, to their credit, I was like, hey, you know, you guys are great. Obviously things aren't moving right now. AfterBuzz is dark, um, but I'd like to take this show and I'd really like to develop it. And I'd like to, you know, bring on my own producer and my fiance now is, you know, one of the producers as well. Uh, you said you, you love the stand-up. I'd say more than half that material, like, she wrote for me. So she's just, we seem to work really well together. She's an introvert. She hates being in front of the camera. I love being in front of the camera. She loves writing and uh, being behind, excuse me. And uh, it's, so it should be fun, but a lot of video content uh, and just a lot of, um, I think, new stuff that we'll be working on. Different shows under the umbrella of Horribly Hollywood Single. Most likely, I think coming probably February, March, 2021. Just getting a lot of stuff worked on now. And, um, 
you know, like everything else, the, the landscape, if, if the landscape of the country keeps changing, then we gotta, we'll, we'll kind of model that around what the show's doing. Sure. But um, I think just realizing that we had to kind of capture everything that's going on right now and kind of add that into what was going on. Otherwise it just would feel like, you know, oblivious white guy talking online. Can't do it. <laughs> uh, well, actually, uh, <laughs> Adam Carr, I want to thank you so much for being on the show, man. New York State Radio? The podcast for creators want you back here once uh, the channel launches. I want to see you. Oh, my God. Ahead. I love that. Yeah, yeah please. Uh, it'll be a good time. Uh, where can the world find you right now online if they want to stalk you, become a part of your army, and give you money for future uh, Kickstarter projects? You're too kind. Well, basically, uh, I'll be on Instagram either as myself uh, at FunnyGuy1985 or at Horribly Hollywood Single. You can also look up Horribly Hollywood Single or The Call Room on YouTube. Check out all the episodes. Check out all the podcasts. Um, yeah, so just anything online, uh, I'd say The Call Room or at Horribly Hollywood Single or, uh, yeah, one of those. Yeah, definitely tell him your top three favorite Sylvester Stallone movies. He would definitely appreciate that. Adam Carr, this guy is going to be a future legend. Uh, do you yourself a favor and follow him on all his social media channels. You're going to hear big, big things coming from him and his brand. And I uh, love to see my friends do well. This is Flobo Boys. That's me. You can follow me personally on Twitter at Flobo Boys or on Instagram at Flobito or at Flobo Boys. That's the private account. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. And the show, New Amsterdam, is available at New Amsterdam on Instagram and at New underscore Amsterdam on Twitter. Both are spelled K-N-E-W because I always felt that it was the pursuit of knowledge as what really makes us intellectuals and intellectuals and creatives are essentially two sides of the same coin. So I didn't misspell to be cool. I'm just saying there was a point to everything. <laughs> it's a season premiere episode. I could be as, as uh, rowdy as I would like to be. Uh, just a reminder, the website is newamsterdam.com. Relaunched. See all the different shows under the umbrella. We're talking What's Up Flobo, our sister show, What's Up Flobo After Hours, uh, Flobo Saw on Netflix, Commander's Log, Draped in Gold. All of those now have a home at newamsterdam.com. I'll be back next time with someone I alluded to last week. Steve Coffin is coming in to talk about his digital journey. I can't wait for that. But until next time, as always, the city is yours.